Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. We're in chambers this week, clearing the docket. And with me is the great judge himself, Judge John Hodgman. Oh, hi, Jesse. How are you? I didn't have a, you're not wearing a hat today, so I didn't have a thing to say about the hat that you're wearing that wouldn't make any sense to the audience because they <laughs> yeah. can't see you and I can. This is my Halloween costume. Yeah. Guy in gray shirt. Uh, well, yeah. It's, first of all, that's spooky. And also uh-huh. some a 50-year-old man who is trying to not look like he's going through a midlife crisis Got by it. wearing wacky baseball hats all the time. Got it. I was told by a grown uh, woman who no longer lives in our house and now attends an accredited four-year college, mm-hmm. that she would prefer that I not come to help her move in for this <laughs> semester, specifically because of hats. You'd probably wear one of those hockey hats. I th- specifically, I think she was most concerned that I would, it would not be a, a hockey hat featuring an extinct hockey team like the Plattsburgh Pioneers. Uh, which was part of the Junior Quebec League, or the one I just ordered in the mail from the Ottawa Nationals uh, logo that I just ordered. I think she was most concerned I'd be wearing my Day Glow Aaron Draplin hat. Yeah, so I can understand I, that. I was told by an intermediary, a third party, <laughs> don't wear a hat. And you know what? I didn't. It really made me think about myself, and I'm wearing hats less frequently now for that reason. It's good. It's good to have self-reflection, John. But you know why I'm wearing this dark gray, almost black t-shirt? Why is that? Because it's almost Halloween. That's the spooky season, John. Yeah. Do you know my Halloween song? No. I made it up when I was 19 years old. I was working at Claire's Cornucopia in New Haven, Connecticut. <laughs> this is how the song goes. Spooky day. Spooky night, Halloween. Many spirits, many frights, Halloween. They asked me to stop singing it. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. I also worked there. I used to... I used to whistle uh, someone to watch over me. They told me to stop whistling as well. Just ladle the soup, they said. You know what? Maybe if listeners are lucky, after the credits, they'll get to hear me sing my nephew Obi's song about bulldozers. <sighs> Let's get into the docket. Okay. Here's a case from Rob in Fitchburg, Wisconsin. Are sleep shorts underwear or pajamas? I like to wear sleep shorts in the summer, and sometimes we'll wear them outside the house in situations where I would wear full-length pajamas, such as getting the newspaper from the driveway or taking the dogs on a short pre-dawn walk. But my wife, Greta, says I shouldn't because they look like underwear to other people. (laughs) I say they're pajamas. It's other people's problem if they don't recognize them as such. What do you think? P.S. My favorite pairs of sleep shorts are 1. Spider-Man, 2. Star Wars, 3. Hershey's Kisses, 4. Minions. Uh, very important ranking there. We should have yeah. made that into an internet slideshow. I know. <laughs> get a lot of get a lot of clicks. Get a lot Breaking. Of clicks. We just got bought by BuzzFeed. <laughs> uh, we do have photos, of course. I insisted that Rob send in photos of him wearing these sleep shorts. They will be available and are now on the show page at MaximumFun.org, as well as on our Instagram account, which is Instagram.com slash Judge John Hodgman. Jesse, I'm going to ask you a professional uh, menswear a consultant and expert to comment on this in a moment, but I just need to point out something 
about Fitchburg, Wisconsin. First of all, same name as Fitchburg, Massachusetts, my father's hometown. Weird, right? Weird. Now, you're lucky, Jesse, because I looked very, very hard to find some body of water in Fitchburg, Wisconsin, that would lead to Lake Superior. Uh Because because Wisconsin does have a tiny, tiny bit of novelty coastline on Lake Superior, even though it's edged out by Minnesota to the west and the upper peninsula of Michigan to the east, which frankly just should be Wisconsin. Sorry, youpers. Get out of here. You shouldn't be part of Michigan. You're part of Wisconsin. And I've been catching a lot of flack on the Reddit when I gave my last Great Lakes Beach report, which regular listeners to the podcast will know is probably the most popular feature of Judge John Hodgman. Everyone loves it. No one just spaces out. No, no one spaces out. They're they're wrapped, wrapped, I say, R-A-P-T, wrapped, when I talk about the beach communities of the Great Lakes of the American Midwest and Canadian Midwest, sorry. But I caught some flack on Reddit because I made the point that Lake Huron and Lake Michigan count as one lake. Geologists consider them, or I should say hydrologists consider them a single lake and thus the largest freshwater lake on earth. And the Lake Superior stands got on me in the Reddit. They were so mad because yes, by area, if you combine Huron and Michigan, it's the largest, but guess what? Lake Superior is deeper, deeper. So I wanted to do something on Lake Superior, but I could not find a hydrological connection between Fitchburg, Wisconsin, which is a suburb of Madison and Lake Superior. So you're off the hook, Jesse, and I'm sorry, listeners who love the Great Lakes Beach Report. I will say, in the spirit of Halloween, Fitchburg, Wisconsin does have a a park in it called the Knollwood Conservation Park. And I looked it up online, and according to Google reviewer Eric, as of yesterday, September 5th, 2021, when he wrote this, it was September 6th, there was a big electric fence going through the trail. No explanation on what, why, or when. Holy cow. A ghost fence in Knollwood Conservation Park. Anyway, three stars. Spooky. Spooky days and spooky nights. I don't know what that fence is doing there. It's a mystery. It sounds like a nice park other than the electric fence that goes through the trail. If it well, got three stars. Why is there an elect? What are they trying to keep in that park? Yeah. A Sasquatch? I don't know. A New Jersey devil? I don't know. Anyway, let's get to these shorts. Anyway, no. Sorry, everybody. No Great Lakes Beach Report today. Just a weird fence in a small park. All right. You want to look at these photos of this guy, Jesse? His name, as we know, is Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have the, I didn't know there was photos until I scrolled down. Always glad to get an honest reaction. Okay, Jesse, let me tell you what we're seeing here. First up, Spider-Man shorts. This is, this is Rob walking his dogs or preparing to walk his dogs. His dogs, of course, want to go in two different directions because dogs. Yeah, they're attached in a T-shape. That's right. That's what dogs love that. Then we have Rob jauntily throwing his garbage away in a city of Fitchburg, Wisconsin trash can wearing, are those, what are those on his shorts there? Well, we're seeing one pair of holiday themed Spider-Man shorts and one with an abstract Darth Vader design. Darth Vader being uh, an evil character from the movie Star Wars. (laughs) He's got Darth Vader's on there. 
Yeah, he's got right. covered in Darth Vader's. And in that picture, he's jauntily tossing one of his feet backwards as he puts the trash into the trash can. Sort of like Tommy Toon, if Tommy Toon was taking out the trash and had some mild skin irritation on his calf. <laughs> Tommy Toon is human too. He produces trash and sometimes has irritated skin. That's the way it goes. Yep. Now, I thought this next photo of Rob holding uh, the, the newspaper... <laughs> He was wearing uh-huh. the tornadoes on his sleep shorts, but those must be the Hershey's Kisses, right? Yeah. And then I think I think number four, what we're seeing is him enjoying a morning beverage while wearing uh, what look like minions. That would be minions. We would have to ask Nick Weiger of the Doughboys to know for sure. We'll send him this photo and get confirmation that those are minions down there. I love Rob's scruffy dog. Yeah. Well, he's got two scruffy dogs. Other one's not scruffy. I like the other one. Excuse I love me. the scruffy one. You love scruffy? All right. I'll, you're right. The other one is smooth. You take scruffy, I'll take smoothie. Today, I was coming home from dropping my kids off at school. Yeah. And uh, I saw some dogs walking down the sidewalk by my house. And I thought, oh my God, look at those dogs. And I like stopped my car to look at the dogs. And then I realized it was my wife walking my dogs. Wow. You didn't even notice your beloved human companion. Nope. Checking out the scruffs. Just the two scruffs. But my question to you, Jesse, as a dog owner and a person interested in in, in fashion yeah. and style and appropriateness, would you, if you were walking the scruffy and smoothie in Fitchburg, Wisconsin, would you be doing it in any of these shorts? There's cultural context here, which is that I am from a place where you would not walk the dogs in your regular pajamas. <laughs> I can't imagine walking down the streets of my neighborhood in my pajamas, culturally speaking. Not for mm-hmm. reasons of fanciness, but just for reasons of the public life of the city. Wisconsin is known throughout the land as the laid-back state. <laughs> well, he does. I mean, we can see from the photograph, he lives in the kind of... Uh, suburban or exurban neighborhood that does not have sidewalks, just lawns. Yeah, it's all um, about Fitchburg, Wisconsin. This is classic Fitchburg, Wisconsin style living. Given that context, I honestly can't endorse anything beyond the limits of one's own property that involves wearing pajamas. I have no problem with wearing pajamas in a robe to go get the newspaper, but taking the dogs for a walk in pajama pajamas is too much for me, especially before dawn. Isn't he cold? What if you're a bananas in pajamas? If you're bananas in pajamas, that's your normal attire. You can come down the stairs for sure. We know that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say though, that even if I spotted him that, even if I said, this is a cultural difference, he lives in a very quiet exurban neighborhood where people walk around in their pajamas with their dogs. These sleep shorts that he is wearing are pretty high and tight. Mm -hmm. And while they they do appear to have some kind of pocket, they are made of jersey and really do look like underpants. In fact, I assumed that what the objection was was that they look like boxer shorts. And they are at least 40% of the way to boxer briefs from boxer shorts um yeah and it really does look like he's wearing his underpants the hershey's kisses one i think is the greatest offense 
because the Hershey's kisses are not hiding anything. No. And it's and it's and it just is it's just a mysterious shape. And the kisses feel intimate. Kisses feel intimate, especially if at a, at a slight distance as I'm seeing them now, they look like either tornadoes, like the Great Tornado Room in Madison, mm-hmm. Wisconsin, a, a restaurant I hope to return to soon. Sure. And I'll tell you something else. They also kind of look like, and I know this is a family friendly podcast, but that doesn't mean we can't talk about adult themes from time to time. Mm-hmm. They look like sperms. Yeah. They look like deformed sperms. Yeah. They do look a little bit like shiny deformed sperms. Whereas the minions, because he's got his hand in his pocket, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's changing my perception. Those do almost look like extremely tacky shorts that Nick Weiger would wear. Almost. But all of these but not close are enough. well above the knee. Yeah. All of these are snug and all yeah. of them are made of Jersey, the same kind of material that a t-shirt is made out of. None of them have the hard finish of uh, of a short. Um, right. Or these aren't even, you know, these aren't even made of the kind of stuff that like basketball shorts are made out of or, or something like that. Right. Um, these are not shorts that he's sleeping in. These are uh, Lil Undies for snoozing. <laughs> Lil Undies. For, I agree. Look, I'm sorry, Rob. You throw your garbage away jauntily. You've got a wonderfully scruffy and a wonderfully smooth dog. You obviously have a love of life living there in Fitchburg, Wisconsin, but it looks like you're wearing underwear, and I don't blame your wife at all for having some concerns. Greta is correct in this one. They look like underwear to other people. Rob, get some sweatpants or something. Throw on some breakaway pants or something before you go out there. Also, pre-dawn walk for Scruffy and Smoothie, you're going to be cold. It's Wisconsin. Here's something from Helen in Boston, Mass. My husband, Ryan, loves chocolate chip cookies. Whoa. This one opened bold. (laughs) It's quite an accusation. Let's see if the evidence supports it. At Christmas, it's been a longstanding tradition in my family to make Christmas cookies. Every year, Ryan wants me to make chocolate chip cookies as part of this fun celebratory day of baking. My family has a collection of cookie recipes that we only make for Christmas. Mm. They are special cookies, made special by their rarity. They're frankincense cookies. They're they're myrrh cookies. They're gold cookies. Yeah. (laughs) Every year, I say, no, chocolate chip cookies are not Christmas cookies. Every year, Ryan says, I am wrong, and that chocolate chip cookies are appropriate to every holiday and occasion. I'm asking Judge Hodgman to rule on the Christmassiness of chocolate chip cookies. I would like the judge to rule that Ryan must select a different actual Christmas cookie to request during the season. I'm not talking about Christmas yet, Jesse Thorne. We haven't even made it to Halloween. It's too soon. I'm going to put this on hold, not indefinitely, but for a moment, to point out Boston is the largest city in New England, my home region. That's a a collection of... uh, that's a collection of states and commonwealths in the southeastern region of Canada, New Hampshire, Vermont, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and Maine. Send me letters. And Boston is a very old community, so is it haunted? Yes. Are all kinds of haunted houses found in Boston? Of course. Is that what I find most interesting? No. What I find most interesting is that a little bit south of Boston is something called the Bridgewater Triangle, a term coined by our friend, Lauren Coleman, the curator, founder, and sole employee, I believe, 
of the International Museum of Cryptozoology up there in Portland, Maine. The Bridgewater Triangle is 200 square miles or so of Massachusetts that is haunted. It, it, it's roughly bounded. I've never heard of this before, but it's roughly bounded by Abington, Freetown, and Rehoboth. Right? And, and, and it includes the in- entire town of Tauntaun, Massachusetts, named after the Star Wars creature. And it is the site of many different paranormal experiences. Ghost orbs. Hey, John. Uf- yeah. You think Tauntaun, Massachusetts stinks on the outside? I thought they did until I got into Tauntaun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until I had to throw my friend in there so he didn't freeze to death. I'm a medium Star Wars guy. You're a medium. Go that ahead. Was good. That was good. And within the Bridgewater Triangle, people have seen ghost, glowing ghost orbs. They have seen uh, Bigfoots and Sasquatches. They have seen Thunderbirds. They have seen giant snakes. They have seen ghosts. All kinds of different phenomena. And it all gets muddled up there, especially in Hockamock Swamp, where every one of the 24 reviews talks about how haunted Hockamock Swamp is, including this review. This one really scared me. Kane wrote... Caught an EVP, that's electronic voice phenomena. You know what that is? When you're in a haunted house and you're recording and you listen back and a ghost says, I'm here too, right? Caught an EVP while doing Sasquatch research, double exclamation point. Man, that's the last thing you expect. (laughs) Completely. Well, Kane goes on, it completely caught me off guard because I wasn't talking to the spirits. I was speaking to the Sasquatch. Two stars. (laughs) <laughs> it's not true four stars it was fine it was, it was a good experience for kane anyway hockamock yeah. swamp i'll have to go there next time in new england all right now that we got the halloween content out of the way we can talk about the christmas content our chocolate chip cookies first of all a christmas cookie jesse thorne you celebrate christmas love it love christmas what would you call a christmas cookie you know my father's cousin joanne used to send us christmas cookies right joanne was a biker who lived in arizona new mexico lives in arizona new mexico a bicycler or a motorcycler a motorcycler cool yeah she's a cool lady uh but she loved to bake christmas cookies as well Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and she would send a broad selection of christmas cookies Mm -hmm. i think there are classic christmas cookies Various kinds of cookies that can be decorated with Christmas themes. Yeah. Different types of sugar cookies and so forth. Like sugar cookies that are in the shape of a pine tree and they have green frosting on them. Yeah. And white piping and little red dots to look like they're decorated, right? Wintry cookies, like ginger cookies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something with a little snap. A gingerbread man. Sure. Would be a Christmas cookie for sure. Uh, various types of fancier sugar cookies, Mm -hmm. um, something with a chocolate kiss in it, for example, or a minion. Yeah. Or a deformed sperm, a shiny sperm. Um, I wouldn't consider a chocolate chip cookie to be a core Christmas cookie, but I think that part of the spirit of the Christmas cookie in my experience is the breadth of cookies laid out before you that when I have experienced Christmas cookies, be it in the mail from my dad's cousin, Joanna yeah, or at the office when uh, one of our office's great bakers, like our own Jennifer Marmer or, or Daniel Baruella 
bring in some baked treats. Part of what's magical about Christmas cookies is that often people spend a whole day baking a broad variety of cookies, and there's like a an exciting and beautiful, dazzling smorgasbord of different kinds of cookies. It's more cookies than you want, but it's an but it's a, a beautiful bounty. Yes, and also sugar cookies <laughs> are not that good. <laughs> That's right. So it's nice to balance out the sugar cookies with other kinds of cookies that are better. Yeah, the Mine are good. Well, Jennifer Marmer, go ahead. Mine are good. Your okay. sugar cookies are good. Yeah. All of your all of Jennifer's <laughs> baked goods. Jennifer is a wonderful and skilled baker. Um, look, oh. I look, what can I say? Brown the butter, caramelize the sugar. A sugar cookie tastes like something. <laughs> Jennifer Marmer, what about you? In your household, what is your relationship to Christmas, if any? Um, we celebrate it. My husband and his family celebrate Christmas. So um, I get to live my childhood dreams um, and have a Christmas tree in my house. Oh, were you not? <laughs> were you, I mean, you are a Jewish person. Yeah. Yeah. And you would celebrate Hanukkah. Yes. Yes. And we do both. We do both right. of the uh, okay. winter. Um, the, you know, we do both of those. Um, and a friend of mine um, in, you know, normal times throws a Christmas party or a holiday party every year. And I usually bring sugar cookies and mm -hmm. they are requested. Um, and that's a fun event for me um, where I get really ambitious with decorating. And so the first uh, several batches are very nicely decorated and then I run out of time and the rest are a real mess. Um, but they're still it's fun. I'm sure they're delicious. They are, I think. <laughs> so I only celebrate Saturnalia, the Roman festival of Saturnalia. Mm -hmm. So I don't have cookies. I just have melted uh, goat fat. Right. Um, uh, olive oil, uh, figs uh, that I've picked from my own tree mm -hmm. uh, that, that my wife has painted with poison. <laughs> this is a shout out to I, Claudius. Yeah. Uh, in any case, I'm going to go to your expertise then, Jennifer Marmer. Chocolate mm -hmm. chip cookies. Are they Christmas cookies? <sighs> Here's the thing. I make an even better chocolate chip cookie, but I would not bring them to a holiday party. Um, I wouldn't include them in the Christmas cookie mm -hmm. bounty. You know, um, mm -hmm. we grew up with a, a friend of my sister's. Her mom would do this, like making Christmas cookies and, um, you know, bringing them around. And there were always spritz cookies and like all kinds of um, What's a spritz cookie? It's kind of like a shortbready sugar cookie, and you put it oh. in this tube that has a little trigger, and you just spritz them out. I know exactly what and you're talking about. You have little um, stencil-y things that you can stick in the bottom, and they come in different shapes. It's like when you use a pastry bag to make uh, deviled eggs. Exactly, exactly. And it comes out in that appealing swirl. Yeah, it could be a swirl. Yeah. It could be a little decorative flower. It could Spritz be a tree. Um, right, right, right. Those are fun. Right. Can't get a chocolate chip through one of those. Oh, Can't no, no, no. Can't get a chocolate no. chip through a spritz gun. No way. They'd get stuck. The, right. You would just get the um, rest of the dough. But um, With all due respect, it would gum up the works. That's right. Mm-hmm. the works. Mm -hmm. Um, it would chip up the works, maybe. Mm, yeah, doesn't work. It's possible. <laughs> Decide whether to keep that in later. I'll leave it up to Val. Um, you could put a chocolate chip cookie in there. No, but like, you couldn't. You, you're just right. being nice. You're being nice. Yeah, that would be, you know, I really, um, I'm sympathetic to Helen's husband, Ryan. I, You know, a chocolate chip cookie is good, but also it's not special. You could have it any time of year. Hey, you know, look, Ryan. Chocolate chip cookie. It's a quintessential cookie. It's one of the top cookies. 
Even I, a non-sweet eater, appreciate a chocolate chip cookie. The only chocolate chip cookie that you could potentially, that I think that I've ever seen on a tray of what we're calling Christmas cookies would be a mini chocolate chip cookie. And those are the worst form of chocolate chip cookie. It's just one step above a cookie crisp. You know what I mean? The mini chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. Yeah, you're completely right about that. It's sort of like if you got a chocolate chip cookie in one of those blue tins of Danish cookies. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like, those usually they're <laughs> those fakos. <laughs> those they didn't, it's like they, they took a picture of a chocolate chip and put it in those things. Those yeah. Little, yeah. Yeah. And then the chocolate chip cookie, you know, it's in the tin with the all the all the other Christmas cookies. Probably yeah. not that blue Danish tin because that's holding all your sewing supplies and buttons. But um right. oh, I wish. <laughs> I wish all the sewing supplies and buttons we're in one tin in my household. That's another story. It's a though. dream. Um, you know, but you have a decorative winter-themed tin or box or whatever. All of the other cookies, they kind of, like, meld together. And you get this, like, just general cookie taste. And it, like, the chocolate chip cookie is not going to be that good. It's not going to be as good no. as you want it to be. It doesn't belong there. It doesn't belong there, Ryan. But do you know what? You can make chocolate chip cookies any day you want. What the heck? Why are you trying to force your wife to make you chocolate chip cookies on her day of Christmas cookie baking? You're using the birth of the son of God to try and blackmail your wife into making you chocolate chip cookies. You are perfectly capable. Like, go and learn how to make a cookie, Ryan, if you don't know how to do it. Go and learn how to make a cookie. And then the oven's going to be preheated. It's going to be cooking all day. Just have a go out and get yourself, you know, like a, a baking sheet, get all the ingredients, get a sill pat or something or some parchment paper, learn how parchment to do paper. it. Parchment paper. Yeah. Have, the, have those cookies ready to go. And, you know, when your wife is pulling out some, some spritz cookies, just throw in your choco chips. Enjoy. Keep them in a separate tin for yourself. It's fine to enjoy them at Christmas time, but using the Christmas cookie day to try to force someone to make you something you like when you can make it any day you want. Learn. Learn a thing, Ryan. Christmas is a special time of year. It's not when we eat chocolate chip cookies. It's when we eat cookies that taste less good, but can be made to look more like trees. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the whole point. More cookies than you want, and you also want none of them. You on board with uh, cooking your white sugar, Jen? Ever do this? Cooking the white sugar, caramelizing the sugar. I'm on board with it. You don't make it into caramel. You, it's still granulated sugar, but it's caramelized. Uh, No, I've never done that. I am on board with that idea. It's incredible. I can't. uh, Brave tart. You know about this brave tart? No. Brave tart is a, a baker named Stella Parks. Ooh. Um. She got this whole thing about caramelizing your sugar. If you're making chocolate chip cookies or sugar cookies, something mm-hmm. where some nuttiness, some richness of flavor in a sweet cookie is desirable, it it kicks things up 12 notches. That and browning butter are two things yeah. that you have to adjust for the amount of moisture you lose from steam when you brown butter. But yep. um, both of those are real kicks in the flavor pants okay look we're not just gonna talk all right paul hollywood all right paul hollywood classic paul hollywood we're going to take a quick break here from this week's partner we'll be back with more cases to clear from the docket on the judge john hodgman podcast 
Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org, and they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, Imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. We're clearing the docket this week. I'm not Paul Hollywood. I'm the guy from the Mighty Boosh. With me, as always, is Judge John Hodgman. Hi, John. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Hello, Noel Fielding. How are you? You know, Noel Fielding came in to do Bullseye years ago. This is the guy from the Mighty Boosh, if people don't know. the guy from the Mighty Boosh. Very, very, very funny British actor and comedian who got recruited to host the Great British Bake Off, a.k.a. the Great British Baking Show, because. 
Yeah, somewhat <laughs> controversially. Yeah. And as when I watched The Mighty Boosh for the first time, and I thought, this is probably just going to be some silly nonsense that people like because it's cute, not because it's good. And then I was like, oh, no, it's really good. Uh, and then I loved it. Um, when Noel Fielding came in, I thought, I wonder if this guy is just a silly and ridiculous man uh, who I'm not going to love meeting and talking to. Uh, and then when he came in, he was just wonderful. He was just everything you would hope he would be. A silly and ridiculous man who you love Silly and ridiculous, to. very bright and lovely and present. Uh, not just doing a weird thing to be weird, just a, a lovely and interesting man. <laughs> Noel Fielding, four thumbs up from me. Yeah. An extra four from me, Noel Fielding. I'm, I'm glad you got that gig on a baking show. Yeah. Terrific. Uh, here's a case from Debbie. Dearest Judge Hodgman, I'm writing this now because I'm worried that by tomorrow I'll have forgotten. My wife committed a grievous offense. We were at a sit-down restaurant. She ordered a salad. After the salad was delivered, she added avocado, which was given to her by my mother. She then used her salad fork to stab and scrape a grocery store wow. avocado onto her salad. Wow. Please prevent this from happening again. Thank you, Debbie. Now, where's Debbie from? Does it say where Debbie is from? It doesn't say, but I'm going to say San Diego. I guess I can include a, a haunted fact for Debbie. I got a little concerned about this, so I went and I looked for the original email. You want to hear a scary story? I searched my email for Debbie Avocado, could not find the original email. All right, weird enough, right? But what turns up instead? A letter from Michael Ian Black requesting a blurb for his book, which I did not respond to. A letter from Tamara Shopson requesting a blurb for her book, which I did not respond to, but I did blurb her book. It's called Laser Writer 2. It's coming out very soon. It's great. And then an invitation from 2014 to audition for a TV show. And I went into the audition and I did not get the role. Do you know why? Supernatural intervention? They said I didn't show up on camera. Oh. I think that's why I'm not being invited to audition to things. Holy cow. I no longer show up on camera. It's a concern. But none of these emails had either Debbie or Avocado in them. What's happening? Ghost in the machine. Okay. Debbie's wife, name redacted, brought in an avocado from the outside and put it on her restaurant salad. Jesse Thorne, is there ever a situation in which you can bring in outside food and, and put it on food you order from a restaurant? There are people who bring hot sauces to restaurants. Mm -hmm. I'm going to leave them aside. <laughs> okay. That is an issue for another day. In fact, it was an issue for another day, I think, on Judge John Hodgman some years ago. Yes. And I'm going to say I judge that appropriate. Yeah. Some people disagree. But if you are discreetly hotting up your food with your own hot sauce, I have no problem with that. This, though, is a truly wild maneuver. <laughs> Did they stop at the green grocer on the way to the restaurant? Debbie's mom had a whole avocado in her bag. Actually, it's not even clear that it's a whole avocado, right? Might have just been half an avocado covered in saran wrap. Because Debbie never specifies that her wife sliced the avocado in half. She just started stabbing at it with a fork. I feel like it was half an avocado in saran wrap in Debbie's mom's bag. Can I tell you guys a similar situation that I've heard of? Please. 
My husband's grandfather liked things a very certain way and mm. um, was very rigid about that. And mm-hmm. so his wife, my husband's um, grandmother, my mother-in-law's mother, would bring up sliced Vidalia onion wrapped in tin foil to every restaurant they went to so he could put it on whatever he wanted to put it on. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what? What a thing to bring. Wow. Grandpa Mason loved that onion, the Vidalia onion. What would he put the Vidalia onion onto? A salad is fine. Maybe a salad, maybe uh, his steak that he ordered super well done. Uh Uh, (laughs) Uh-huh. I don't know, actually. Raw. Raw raw sliced, I mean, a Vidalia onion is a sweet onion. It's a sweet onion. So I think it it is raw. raw. That is a detail that I cannot remember. I just know that she would just wrap it up and bring it with her in her purse. And And that's not even the worst of that. The worst of it is... Grandma-in-law Mason mm-hmm. is wrapping these onions up in tinfoil. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. Maybe there was a plastic baggie. Well, I don't know. That's that's. I mean, t- it's just you know, tinfoil is not going to keep the moisture in. It's and it and it it looks like t- it looks like garbage. Sorry, yeah. sorry, tinfoil, aluminum foil. Sorry. Whoa. Yeah. I get God, it. God, I'm so tired of getting letters from tinfoil. <laughs> Well, I, first of all, I'm I can't stop foil. saying tinfoil. And somebody, no. an old coworker of mine, made fun of me once because he's like, "What do you mean tin? It's aluminum." And I was like, "I know, but I can't stop." Yeah. What else am I going to put it in when I put it in my ice box? <laughs> there are also people who have particular dietary needs that are difficult to satisfy at restaurants, and I understand for those people why they might bring something with them in order to allow them to participate in the ritual of eating at a restaurant, despite the fact that they have particular dietary restrictions. You know, I think of... Something that they would add to their... What are you, please, what are you thinking of? I, I'm, I agree. I, you I'm know, just... there are people... I, I think there are people who, you know, especially in situations like where they're traveling and they're vegan and they're allergic to some stuff, uh-huh. they have to do what they can to get some food. Um and i'm not going to i'm not going to pick on any of those people who are just really just trying to find some food to eat so that they don't have to skip going to a restaurant all sure of course of course not of course not that and 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 i agree but we're talking about something else here this right? is obviously some kind of weird avocado upcharge avoidance scheme yeah the probably the restaurant i mean if you need to bring in outside food to either eat or augment a meal for a deeply personal health related or or just personal reason and you can say to the restaurant hey look i gotta do this the restaurant will probably be like no big deal it's the same thing as asking it free seltzer water out of the soda fountain at a chain restaurant if they say yes then do it just if you if you want to know if your behavior is okay don't be sneaky say it if you go into a restaurant and they're like, hey, do you mind if I put on my own avocado onto this salad? They will probably go, um, we have avocado. Let, let me get you some. They probably wouldn't even charge you. Or they might. Vidalia onion is actually a little bit more specific than avocado. Because if granddad in Law Mason needs that very specific kind of onion, I get it. But I mean, I don't speaking, think he needed it. <laughs> maybe he needed it to live. No. <laughs> what I'm saying is you don't necessarily 
expect a restaurant to have every variety of onion, right? Okay. But there, there is something rude about bringing your own food into a restaurant. I do not have a problem with hot sauce. Sure. I do have a problem with barbecue sauce or any other kind of sauce. Hot sauce, that's, people are very, very particular about it. I get it. So, sorry, Debbie, your wife is wrong and your mom is wrong. And you should tell them both I say so. Here's something from Gabriel in Berkeley. It's Berkeley, California. Berkeley, California. I seek an order against my fiance, Kristen. She types at an impressive volume. It's incredibly distracting for me. She's great at her job, and the last thing I want to do is affect her productivity. However, her cacophonic typing makes it difficult for me to complete my work when I'm within earshot. In my years of office work, I've never encountered a keyboard or typist that produces such an impressive jackhammering. I ask that you order Kristen too. One, acknowledge she may be a loud typist. Two, when we must work from the same room, at least try to remember that computers do not need to hear the keys in order to register the characters on the screen. Hardy har har, Gabriel. Three, use more care when using my laptop. Four, consider joining a local mechanical keyboard hobbyist club where she could type at whatever volume she pleases with people who would actually appreciate it. Okay, you know what, Gabriel? I, I gave you the hearty har har. That's actually a pretty good joke. At least try to remember computers do not need to hear the keys in order to register characters on the screen. Yeah. I don't want listeners and potential litigants writing in with a case thinking that they got to punch it up and be funny. You don't have to do that. Just present your case. It's fine. But that was good. That was a good joke. Berkeley, California. That's your neck of the woods, right, Jesse? Yeah, I'm a native of San Francisco, California, which is right across the right across San the Francisco Bay. Bay from Berkeley. Yeah. yeah. You ever hear of the Claremont Hotel in Berkeley, California? I have heard of the Claremont Hotel. One My of the most, got married there. One of the oh really? Yeah. Ooh, because that's one of the most haunted hotels in the United States. Did you know that? Well, he's had a wonderful marriage. Oh, good. And he's is he a good g- 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 ghost? No, he's a good, 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 good guy, though. <laughs> Room 422, notoriously haunted. In 2014, Jeff Ayers, a basketball player who was then with the San Antonio Spurs, was in town to do basketball battle with the Golden State Warriors. Got his room key, went up to his room. The room key didn't work. It was the key for the room. He looked at it. Wouldn't open the door. And he heard inside the sound of a baby crying and also the sound of two little girls arguing with each other and the sound of a book being repeatedly thrown on the floor. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Went down to the front desk and said, "There's these, these kids are in this room. Front desk said, no one's supposed to be in that room. And they gave him a new room and they, and they went and checked the original room. No one was there. Scary. Scary stuff. Wow. Claremont Hotel. Now, to the point, Jesse. What were we talking about? What's this guy want? All right. Loud typing. Hey, Jesse, I'm trying to do a podcast here. Do you mind not typing so loud? No, Jesse. Sorry, I'm just... (laughs) You're typing in, remind Valerie to cut out all scary stories in this episode. Right? (laughs) (laughs) trust me it's gonna pay off this pre-halloween episode 
it's gonna pay off. Make sure you wait till the end to the surprise post credit sequence, everybody. Ooh, it's gonna pay off. It's a slow burn, slow burn as we work our way towards Halloween. But meanwhile, loud typing. Okay. I asked Gabriel if he could provide some audio evidence of Kristen typing and Jennifer Marmer, uh, Gabriel sent this in, correct? Yes. All right, let's, let's take a listen. Did you guys hear that last part? Spooky. <laughs> I was. Can we play that back? Play that back. I'm, I, I'm not sure if I heard that right. Get out! Whoa, she's. It's there. It's totally there. Jennifer, are you playing this audio forward or backward? I'm playing it forward. Try playing it backward. Spooky day, spooky night, Halloween. It's weird. I can't, I can't, I can't, I couldn't make that out, but that's, that's weird. That's, we need to send that to Lauren Coleman at the International Museum of Cryptozoology right away. Jesse Thorne, it's hard to evaluate that evidence because we don't know, first of all, like, you know, one can adjust the volume. Gabriel did send in a, a photo indicating the distance from Kristen's workspace to the place where they store their cute dog. The, you can see that photo there of the tape measure on the floor and the dog. Aww. That dog is named Kona the Poodle. I don't know. That sounded pretty loud. Jesse Thorne, you're a loud typist. What do you think about this? I think the style of typing was the most distressing part to me. <laughs> I'm not so much bothered by the volume, which, as you said, is difficult to judge. It just had a quality of feeling like she would type a couple words and then just flap her hands at the keyboard. Do you want to do your imitation of it? Yeah, this is what this is what it sounded like to me. That's what it sounded like to me. I like that sound. I don't have a problem with Kristen's typing. I like this. I have a keyboard that doesn't make any noise anymore. And we've discussed it in the past on this podcast, how, you know, way back when in 1984, Lil John Hodgman had a dream of getting a, a, a home computer and couldn't decide between the Macintosh, which was very cool. And the IBM PC, because it had a very clicky keyboard. I really love that clicky keyboard. And lots of people really do love clicky keyboards, as Gabriel points out. Jesse Thorne, am I out of order? I love clicky keyboards myself. I have a mechanical keyboard. I love the way it clicks. I bought a medium amount of clickiness mechanical keyboard in terms of noise. Yeah. There's no evidence here, though, that what she's in it for is the sound. Or even the feel. Those are the things that appeal to me. That's the reason that I bought a mechanical keyboard. I'm not a PC gamer where I need the precision. I feel more comfortable typing when I can feel that click and hear that noise. Makes me feel productive. <laughs> but <laughs> it sounds like she's typing on a normal laptop computer keyboard that has very little 
key distance. The keys don't travel far to be pressed. And this is more like a situation like that that time <laughs> that time at Bonnaroo when Kanye West's set couldn't get up in time for him to do his headlining uh, performance at the festival. <laughs> he tweeted, this Bonnaroo thing is the worst insult I've ever had in my life. This is the most offended I've ever been. This is the maddest I will ever be. I'm typing so effing hard I might break my effing MacBook Air. <laughs> so my question is, is it not possible that the answer to this situation is for her to obtain a different type of keyboard, such as one that has more traveling distance so she can feel like she's really pressing something, but isn't clicky auditorially. It doesn't make a lot of noise. I say this, with regard to Gabriel's request one, that I order that Kristen acknowledge she may be allowed to typist, I will definitely make that order. Kristen, you may be allowed typist. It sounded pretty clicky and loud. Hard to tell. Acknowledge that. Acknowledge what you're doing. Don't gaslight your partner and say that you're not a, cl a clicky keyboardist because you clearly are. With regard to two, when we must work from the same room, try to remember the computers do not need to hear the keys in order to register characters on the screen. Again, that's a joke. Sorry, Gabriel. Uh, I'll order it, but it doesn't mean anything. With regard to three, use more care when using my laptop. Uh, yeah, I would say that uh, if it's your if it's your property, uh, Kristen should lighten up. And what I would suggest is that Kristen find a delightful clicky keyboard that she can uh, connect via a hardwire or or a Bluetooth to your laptop just to annoy you. Why not? But as <laughs> as long as she's using her computer, she should use the keyboard that makes her feel get the most pleasure out of work because it's hard to come by in work. And when it comes to four, consider joining a local mechanical keyboard hobbyist club. I was not sure that that was a thing, but there are definitely m nodes of interest in clicky keyboards. And there was at least one mechanical keyboard meetup in the Bay Area in 2019, organized by a user called Man of Interests on Reddit, who is a member of r slash mechanical keyboards. Now, I did not have enough time to work my way through this Reddit uh, carefully, so I do not know whether it is 1,000% toxic and offensive or only 999% toxic and offensive. It's not necessarily an endorsement of Man of Interests, of this Reddit thread, of the Bay Area meetup, which may or may not be happening in 2021. I have sent a message via Reddit to Man of Interests asking, will there be another Bay Area mechanical keyboard meetup? I have not heard back yet. When I get an answer, I will let you, Gabriel, Kristen, and the listeners know. But yeah, you can, I, I, I don't order Kristen to join a, a mechanical keyboard hobbyist club. She can do what she wants. But basically, I guess even though I have no problem with her typing, and clearly Kona the Poodle doesn't either, because Kona's sitting right there, undisturbed. Dogs have very good hearing, Gabriel. Didn't think of that when you sent in that evidence, did you? Uh, type away, Kristen. Type the way you need to type, and Gabriel, you just deal with it. But I will, I will grant, don't, don't destroy, don't bash up Gabriel's MacBook. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have some follow-up letters from Juvenile Court. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. 
Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm Bill of Jesse Thorne. With me, Judge John Hodgman. Do we have any letters from listeners this week, John? Well, we do have some letters from listeners, but I just realized, Jesse, and I apologize, Gabriel, from before the break, Gabriel did send in some more evidence, which is a NIOSH noise measurement report that Gabriel apparently performed on Kristen's keyboarding, indicating that the decibel level of Kristen's typing is not just subjectively loud, but objectively harmful. You can review this report. Apparently... Uh, apparently this noise measurement report, which was conducted in August of 2021 at 7.55 a.m., getting to work bright and early, Kristen, I appreciate that. Your LC peak was 86 decibels. Anything above 85 apparently is harmful. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know, gang. Uh, Kristen, you're a, loud, you're a loud typist, and uh, and I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of. Meanwhile, we did have a letter from Emily. Now, you may recall Jesse Thorne. Emily claimed to have a copy of the very first Nancy Drew book entitled The Mystery of the Old Clock. And she said that her copy of the book was 91 years old, which would make it a first edition of the book. And Emily is 10 years old. And Emily was mad at her eight-year-old sister, Louisa, throwing this old book down on the floor. And I said to Louisa, stop throwing the book down on the floor. But Emily wrote back and said, thank you for hearing my case on the juvenile court episode. I have just a few things I would like to add. Emily, I found in your favor. I don't know why you're bothering me. Okay. First, Louisa wants you to know that she is eight and not 35. Okay. My mistake. Second, I will send pictures of the book and I think you will agree with me that it is 91 years old. I guess I questioned that. Third, just to make things worse, my mom is an English teacher. <laughs> not sure how that makes things worse. But I appreciate it. Thank you, Emily. And she sent in some photos. And this does look like a very old book. And there is indeed a copyright page that says copyright 1930. But Emily, I have to tell you something. Yes, on the copyright page, it says copyright 1930 by Groston Dumlap Incorporated. But it also has a list of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight other Nancy Drew mysteries. 
So even though this book is very, very old and precious to you, and perhaps even of some intrinsic financial value, if that is important to you, I don't know, maybe Carolyn Keene already had eight other books in her pocket when she published this first one. But the list of other books in the series would suggest that this edition had to have come out after Nancy's Mysterious Letter, which is the last book listed in the other Nancy Drew Mystery Stories list. That said, let me say two things. One, a listener named Susan, who lives in Oxford, UK, so you know, pretty smart, said, if you wanted to, just take your book or send a picture of it to anyone within the Antiquarian Booksellers Association of America. That's the ABAA for a trustworthy expert opinion. And I guess I would have to agree with Susan, who is a rare book dealer, because probably a member of the ABAA is better equipped to appraise the age and value of your book than me, a guy with a podcast. So, Emily, I appreciate your writing in. I still find in your favor. Louisa should stop throwing those books on the ground, no matter what their age. And you should uh, go on a little Nancy Drew style uh, mystery solving of your own and try to determine exactly how old this book is. If it's 91, I make this promise to you. If that book is 91 years old, send it to me and I will eat it on the podcast. That'll be the whole podcast is me eating your old book. Jesse, do you know it? Emily had a a PS on this letter as well, a postscript. You know what What it says? Now this, I think you're going to find surprising. PS, Judge John Hodgman, I forgot to mention that Louisa and I are both ghosts that live in the Claremont Hotel. Wow. Yeah. We often- Very spooky postscript. Night after night, we argue about this and throw the spectral book on the floor, reenacting the original trauma. I think a basketball player may have heard me once in 2014, but can't be sure. Anyway, love the podcast. Emily. Weird, right? Wow. Very weird. Spooky stuff. No. Very unusual. The the PS just said, I'm writing this on my phone. I don't know why. Good to know. No typos. No typos. You did a great job, Emily. Oh, uh, Judge Hodgman, we actually got a dispute from an eight-year-old named Louisa. What? I think that might be Emily's sister. Eight-year-old Louisa? uh, Yeah. Does she say she's a ghost who lives in the Claremont Hotel in Berkeley, California? There's, no, I don't see a PS here, but... Okay, well, let's see what the letter says. Hello, my name is Louisa. I'm eight. I have a sister who is 10, and I get a lot of clothes from her. My size is 1012. Hers is 1416, but she still wears 1012s. Whenever I wear one, she yells at me and says it's hers. She only gives me clothes she doesn't like. I would like you to order her to give me my size clothes and wear her size, because she gets new stuff and I don't. P.S. Please come play with us forever and ever and ever. Weird. What a weird postscript. Okay, that P.S. is not real. I added that. Louisa and Emily are not ghosts as far as I know. They're real human beings, sisters. What I'm going to say about this is, Emily, if you want Louisa to respect your stuff, uh, then you need to treat your sister Louisa with respect to and not just give her the clothes that you hate. Because... You know, there are two things you don't want. A vengeful ghost in your house and a vengeful sister in your house. So avoid both of those by just being a little bit more generous with your clothes and a little bit more careful with each other's books. I will tell you, Louisa and Emily, if you like a ghost story, that thing I talked, I told about Jeff Ayers, 
of the San Antonio Spurs going in the Claremont Hotel and hearing a, a baby crying in in the in the room that he was supposed to occupy that didn't that turned out to be empty. That's a true story. I mean, Jeff Ayers is a real person. That's a true story. I wasn't making that up. Why would I ever make up a ghost story about a basketball player? I don't know the names of any basketball players. I just looked it all up. It's all part of a spooky podcast storyline I was trying to spin. It's like the Mercury Theater over here, Jesse Thorne. People are gonna they're gonna take to the streets. They're like the the Hockamuck Swamp uh, has Martians in it. Doesn't have doesn't have Martians in it. It's just a swamp. The docket is clear. That's it for another episode of Judge John Hodgman. Our producer is Jennifer Marmer. Our editor is Valerie Moffat. Sound effects this week by the metal shop across the street from my house. Follow us on Twitter at Jesse Thorne and at Hodgman. You think they could get a furniture pallet, like a roller with wheels? Because <laughs> they build things and then they just drag them across the concrete sure. floor of the shop. Yeah, get a roller a roller with wheels. <laughs> They're really nice. They were here before me. Follow us on Twitter at Jesse Thorne and at Hodgman. We're on Instagram at Judge John Hodgman. Make sure to hashtag your Judge John Hodgman tweets, hashtag JJHO, and check out the Maximum Fun subreddit to discuss this episode. Submit your cases at MaximumFun.org slash JJHO or email Hodgman at MaximumFun.org. We'll talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Judge Hodgman, we've just completed the credits, and my young nephew, Obi, of mm-hmm. Marin County, California, has written what I think may be the next great song about construction equipment. Well, it's certainly topical given the metal shop across the street. It's called Bulldozer. It's already been described by no less an expert than celebrated singer-songwriter John Darnielle of the Mountain Goats is having incredibly powerful 1990 Olympia Washington vibes. All right. Um, I don't want to play... Look, he's his own child with his own life, so I'm going to leave aside the recording I've heard of him performing the song and instead perform the song myself, since I am, of course, a gifted professional musician. Sure, sure. And again, this this song was written by... Obi. My nephew, who is three years old. And uh, Obi owns the the full intellectual property, copyright, everything else. Ask at BMI. This is just just your interpretation of the song. We don't need you to- I have 20% of the publishing. We don't need you to get bad art friended over here. This is your quoting a song. I am his representative and I have a portion of the publishing on this song. Fair enough. Do contact me. If you wish to record the song in a professional context, and we'll work out an arrangement. Let's hear the song about, uh, what's the title of the song is Bulldozer? It's called Bulldozer, yeah. And it's accompanied by a hand drum, which I'll be playing on my thigh. All right, let me, let me, let me do a radio DJ. Hey, everybody, we have a very special guest on today's live show, live and direct from the mind of Obi in Marin County and interpreted here by your own Jesse Thorne. It's called Bulldozer. Bulldozer. You push the grounds aways, bulldozer, you are, you are so loud, but I love you so much, bulldozer. That's fantastic. Fantastic, Obi. Keep it up. See you at the Grammys. 
Wait, wait, wait. Bailiff Jesse Thorne, you thought that was the only post-credit sequence we have today? We have a very special Halloween post-credit sequence as well. Oh, wow. I had no idea. Yeah, because we have a very special guest with us who has materialized out of a spooky vapor into uh-huh. into a into a human form right and it's it's Aiden the co-administrator of the spirit halloween wikipedia it's not wikipedia it's a wiki it's its own wiki right yeah. yes yes it is i apologize aiden that's all right <laughs> you remember jesse thorne uh <laughs> we we had a letter a while back from a listener uh whose little child wanted to know if he the dad was on personal good first name basis relationship with the Harvester of Souls. And we yes. learned that the Harvester of Souls yes. is a large-scale, very scary consumer animatronic that you can buy from the Spirit Halloween store that uh, n- not only is inappropriate for a young child to know about, but also is featured very heavily on the Spirit Halloween wiki, which is co-administered by Aiden. Aiden, how are you? I am doing well, thank you. Isn't Aiden also a Spirit Halloween content creator? Like not, am, yes. not on behalf of Spirit Halloween, but no, not not affiliated with Spirit, but I am a Spirit Halloween content creator. Yes. What does that mean? You have a YouTube channel where you talk about Spirit Halloween stuff? Uh, yeah, not as regularly as some people, but I do a lot of uh, a lot of Spirit Halloween related, you know, content over on on my YouTube channel. Yeah. Aiden, I, I think we can agree. Some people take this whole thing a little too seriously. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> I, I completely agree. I might be one of those people, but you know. <laughs> oh, I, th- I thought you were talking about me. Aiden, remi- remind the listeners and frankly me uh, who you are, how old you are, where you live, and how you got involved in Spirit Halloween. Um, yeah, so my my name is Aiden. I am 17 years old, and I live just outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, mm-hmm. I got into... Are we, talking, are we talking about Villanova? Are we talking about Bryn Mar? Talking that about kind King of, of area, yeah. All right, King, all right, I, mean, I got you. About 30 minutes from King of Prussia, yeah. All right, um, good. That's all I needed to know. Yep, so... Great, interview over. Thank you so much, Aiden. <laughs> all right, I'll log <laughs> off, yeah. Um, so I I got into the Spirit Halloween world. Um, I think it started around my first trip uh, when I was five years old in 2009. Uh, my parents made the grave mistake of taking me to a Spirit Halloween. Um, and I was terrified of it at first, uh, but years went by and I started getting more interested in kind of the behind the scenes aspect of it, doing my own research on them uh, via the internet and YouTube. But yeah, I think... My involvement in the Spirit Halloween community and the company itself reached definitely greater heights in 2019 uh, when I got in contact with uh, some of the people over at Spirit and formed some friendships over there. And then I started getting more involved in the community itself. And um, it just it turned into way more than a hobby. It is an all consuming thing at this point. So I know it's 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 terrifying. Aiden is talking to us from. What can only be described as a home spirit Halloween store, uh, where he has three horrifying spirit creatures larger than uh, a human man behind him. And he's wearing, frankly, a spirit Halloween store t-shirt that I think is pretty cool. (laughs) It's an orange and black, uh, like tie-dyed number featuring uh, the slightly goofy... Uh, creepy and slightly low rent logo of Spirit Halloween stores on the front. 
uh, and it is a, it is a very neat and charming tableau he's presenting to us. I, I thought I would do uh, my interview in the middle of my haunt. This is my haunted house uh, that I do every October. So I am currently in one of the rooms of it. So I Wait, thought you're a 17 year old. You have your own house that you've made. No, into this is just house? my basement in my oh, house. Okay. Okay, <laughs> I don't I live you. by myself. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> now, for those of you who don't know, Spirit Halloween is a seasonal retailer that supplies Halloween decorations, costumes, and accessories. It was founded in sometime in 1983 by Joseph Marver, who opened his first location in the Castro Valley Mall that same year. By 1999, the store had 60 seasonal locations across the United States. It was purchased by Spencer Gifts. I know all of this, of course, because I have access to the Spirit Halloween Wikia, which is the wiki that you help maintain and administer where there is an entry for the Harvester of Souls, where, thanks to your graciousness and my badgering, the Judge John Hodgman podcast is featured. Harvester of Souls, if you want to look it up, is a giant uh, uh, Grim Reaper-style ghost that is sucking the soul out of the mouth of a child. Uh, And in the trivia section, the Harvester of Souls, along with this article, is featured in the Judge John Hodgman podcast and the episodes Grocery Store Quilts and Maine's Holiday Boy. So thank you for that. Of course, of course. So it's getting on Halloween season now, Aiden. No one knows more about it than you. You've Not only are you a, a spirit Halloween enthusiast, it sounds like you've also bought the company or you've got some weird inroads with the company. You're going you're gonna to yes. take over this thing eventually. You're the heir apparent. Yeah, it's possible you've married one of the king of the company's children. Something like that. You are in your basement, which you describe as your haunt, and there are three horrifying things behind you. This is an audio medium, so could you describe for our listeners the the statuettes or, or the the things that are behind you there? Um, yeah, sure. So, uh, to my uh, left, we have uh, this is Uncle Charlie. These are all Spirit Halloween animatronics, I should say first. Okay. Um, Uncle Charlie was an animatronic originally released in 2010 and then Mm -hmm. re-released last year. Mm -hmm. Um, So because of fan demand to bring him back, which I always think is a pretty funny thing, um, (laughs) that there was enough demand for the company to say, all right, we'll do it. Um, They brought him back in a Chrome edition, John. (laughs) They did. They redesigned him. They brought in some new features. He's just kind of, I like to describe him as kind of a, uh, a lead in prop. Uh, like a prop that you would put at the front because he seems to kind of like not welcome you in because he's scary, but he, uh, you know, he's kind of an entranceway sort of thing. Um, he's a scary clown with red hair. Basically, yes. And I'll tell you right now, I'm comparing the 2010 mold of Uncle Charlie to the 2020, and 2020 is uh, leaps and bounds uh, more scary and life. Yeah, I mean, Uncle Charlie is welcoming you in in the sense that he's holding an enormous lollipop. Who doesn't love lollies? And a bucket that reads free candy. <laughs> yes, there is a free candy bucket, which I think that is probably the selling point for me of why I free purchased candy. him. And I do like to put actual candy in there. You can do that. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It says here that Uncle Charlie speaks one of several different phrases. What are some of the phrases Uncle Charlie says? Uh, I don't know if I have them memorized. He does ask a lot about if you want candy. Uh, he offers you candy a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I shouldn't have put you on the spot there, Aiden. I apologize. No, that's all right. <laughs> the product sayings are listed on the Spirit Halloween wiki. Yes. Come here. Take a little bite. 
Don't worry, clowns scare me too. Creepy laugh. Want a little candy? Come on, I won't hurt you. Much. Much. (laughs) (laughs) I might hurt you some. Is implied there. All right, who else you got behind you there? Um, so on my other side, I have another one from last year. This is Peekaboo Clown. He was the first Spirit Halloween prop to feature screens in the eyes. Uh, instead of just traditional LED eyes, there are actual screens in there that play a spiral animation. Um, so that was the big selling point for me. But he's just a uh, he's just a polka dot suited clown who uh, covers his eyes and then sits up and reveals them uh, with his arms uh, to show the spiral animation. What's the scary thing that's lighting, turning different colors directly behind your head? So that was actually the first clown I ever bought. Um, which is a great sentence, oh. in my opinion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that this that, clown's not for sale. Yeah, this was my first. Um, this is this is Grimsley, uh, the towering clown. He is a little over seven feet tall, um, and he was the first of the towering animatronics that Spirit made. They made a couple of them, um, and other companies have made some. But he is. I'd say more of a traditional clown, just non-traditional proportions. Um, he's got mm-hmm. like really long legs, really skinny long arms, um, and he just kind of towers over you, turns back and forth, and says some menacing things about taking your body parts, which is always fun. So. Sort of like uh, when I'm doing a show with Jesse Thorne, that's what it feels like to me, someone towering over me. John, I don't tower. I loom. You loom. You're a loomer. Definitely. Aiden, this is all within the context of your family home, correct? This is true, yes. What do the other members of your family think about this? So, um, funny story, my dad is terrified of clowns. He Ah. hates them. (laughs) Um, And I remember distinctly when I bought Grimsley, I was standing in a Spirit Halloween store with my grandparents and $200 cash in my hand. And I called- How old were you? Uh, this was 2018, so I can't do math. But I can't either. Yeah. Uh, subtraction in You particular. were about 14, 14 or 15. Yeah, right. around that. And okay. I, um, I called my dad because I knew he didn't like clowns, and I basically <laughs> tried to badger him and annoy him into letting me purchase this clown. Um, and eventually he caved and let me do so, and now I have about five of them. Um... And he still hates it, um, but I just keep it in a far off part of the basement. Yeah, so <laughs> it, it, I was about it, to say when it's not October, are they just in the guest bedroom? <laughs> well, some of them stay in my bedroom all year round, um, but I usually box most of them up. I don't know how many I had last time I spoke with you, but I now have about forty three. Uh, animatronics oh, holy moly. <laughs> so and when we say animatronics we're talking about full size yes like human proportion as long as it's not part of the towering line we're talking about roughly human proportion right yes scary ghouls monsters goblins clowns etc right 43 yes. yep how many are boxed up during the year would you say during the year i'd say all but around seven or eight of them are boxed up okay so it's only seven or eight animatronic monster clowns around the house around the 4th of July say <laughs> yes and I do put some of them out in the front lawn on the 4th of July wearing American uh, attire USA number one yep 
Do you rotate them or is it always the same seven or eight that stay out? I do rotate them, um, yeah. just depending on what I'm liking at the moment, I guess. But yeah. And they're all boxed up in what, your sub-sub basement? This is like a Westworld situation? <laughs> just the normal basement. I don't go I have that to deep. say, as scary as these clowns are, the idea that you have 43 animatronics and boxes in a storage unit somewhere is even scarier to me. And I don't even That's own a storage fair. unit, so it's just in the basement. We just keep them, they fold up pretty tight, so you never know when you're going to open a box and see a head is basically the, the motto. But <laughs> That's the new spirit That's the new spirit commercial. They fold up pretty tight, so you never know when you're going to open a box and see a head. Uh, yep, spirit Halloween Superstores at the King of Prussia Mall. <laughs> Aiden, uh, inside what used to be Mervyn's, Aiden... Is there real life friendship or even romance in the spirit Halloween superstore enthusiast community? Non-virtual, in IRL. Yes, absolutely. Um, in fact, uh, we just had the grand opening at Spirit Halloween flagship store, um, which was in Egg Harbor Township, New Jersey. And... Me and uh, about, 6725 East Black Horse Pike. That I is believe. true. Right. Um, and about 30 close friends who I know via online and me uh, met up from all over the country, flew out and drove to this location to meet up some of us for the first time. Um, and then about 300 other people came. Uh, there were probably about 400 people total. Um and it was just the craziest day of my life, probably. Um, but I, it was so nice to finally meet some of these friends who I do have on online who I did meet in person. And there are some locally uh, who I'll meet up with off season uh, to talk about this sort of stuff. But So it, these are people that you knew online that you were meeting in person for the first time. Right. Yes. And okay, wow. This also sounds like a horror movie. Yes. And and yeah. there was definitely a fear that I was going to get stabbed or something. Um, but it it turned out to be good. I mean, everyone was super nice. So did they have candy? Did they have candy at the Grand Opening. <laughs> they did what not they have charge candy. for the candy, Aiden. Uh, they actually didn't have any candy, which they didn't made have any sense candy? for a Halloween get, store. Yeah. Get it together, Spirit Halloween flagship store. <laughs> Come on. So you're 17 years old. When is your birthday? Uh, February 6th. All right. You got to be thinking about your future at this point. Yeah. Soon you're going to turn 18 and you're going to be able to marry Spirit Halloween Superstore. <laughs> if it was possible, I would. Do you have plans to go to college? Um, if anything, I would probably be taking a gap year at this point just because of some personal stuff. But I okay. think it is definitely in the plan. Yeah. Understood. I mean, because I was just going to say, if you go away to college, how many animatronics are you going to bring with you? Um. That's a very good question. I did bring one on vacation with me, so it is feasible. Um, <laughs> Where did you that's go not on vacation? A joke. I went to Alexandria, Virginia, and I brought my Nightcrawler animatronic. Um, <laughs> that is that is absolutely not a joke. I have Where photo were you? Evidence. Were you staying in a hotel or with friends and uh, family? In an Airbnb. In an Airbnb, right? Oh, yeah. Why? What? Why wouldn't you bring your Nightcrawler to your Airbnb? It was a last-minute decision, but I crammed him in the car. <laughs> You know, they fold up pretty tight. Exactly. Eventually you're gonna be moving out of your house. You're gonna take you're gonna take this hobby forward with you into your into your studies, into your life, or is this a potential career path for you? I I would definitely like to take it forward in life. Um 
as a career path. I mean, in the engineering division of Spirit alone, they have their own designers and design team and engineers that build animatronics for a living. Um, right. And I would love to take that as a career path. Now, listen, I want to give uh, Halloween City any ideas. So I'm just going to preface this by saying this is your ID, your IP, you own it. What would you design for Spirit Halloween that they don't have in their repertoire right now? You don't have to get into specifics. You don't have to give it a name like Towering Boogeyman or Jangling Bones Trio or anything. But I was like, going to say you just you just got those two from the wiki, didn't you? <laughs> why, both... No, I. It's just this is common knowledge. Everyone loves this stuff. I heard yeah. Towering Boogeyman. I'm like, wait a minute. Um, yeah, Towering Boogeyman. So yeah, 2016. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. Um, I would probably do more like creatures of legend sort of thing, like mystical, mm. mythical creatures, because we don't really oh. get anything like that. Um, so like some Greek mythology no, no. something. Don't say don't say anything else. I don't want anyone to take this because you've got a okay. whole line. You listen to this Spirit Halloween? Aiden's gonna bring you a whole line that you've never even covered. I know exactly where you're going with this. You could do like a unicorn with blood dripping from its mouth. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Ooh. Now, it's almost Halloween. What do you recommend to the Judge John Hodgman listener to get this year? What's the new What's the new stuff that Spirit is offering? Some new animatronic you're really excited about? Some old classic that every collector should start with? What do you recommend? What do you like well, this year? For if you're just getting into the animatronic game, I would always recommend a jumping spider because sure. it's cheap and it's small. And I, I mean, I personally have three of them. I, I love these things. You can get them for, with a coupon, you can get them about 30, 40 bucks. And they're a great starter animatronic. Um, if you're looking more for a life-size uh, bigger animatronic, mm -hmm. I would probably say this year uh, the new Grimm animatronic, which is a six-foot skeleton who is run off of special servo motors and has this super lifelike, super fluid animation, um, and is first of its kind in the in the industry of consumer animatronics. Uh, and another one I have, I got them a couple weeks ago, and I absolutely love them. So, current status out of stock. Well, he's out of stock online, but he will be restocked soon, and he is still in stores. So. You get All him, right. get him before he's gone. Is this, my... is a, this is one, one scary skeleton. I gotta say. Yeah, he's 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 a very cool. He's there are not many flaws on him. I'll, I'll say that he's 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 a pretty cool prop. How do you feel when Halloween is over? Um, it's a little. It's definitely a little depressing. Uh, because you gotta just tear down everything you've built. Like with my haunt, I just kind of have to pull the band-aid off quick and tear it all down but i also focus a lot on christmas uh, i do a lot of christmas decorating so i can kind of get into that mindset pretty quickly okay. uh, and then starting like day after christmas before even new year's hap new year's eve happens i'm on to the next haunt and i start working so it's always halloween it is always halloween i was gonna say why ever put the animatronics away but you got to make room for your uh what your scary Santa Clauses and stuff? Well, I gotta, yeah, I gotta make room for the Christmas display, but also my parents want the basement back. So, you what? Know. what? I, I know it's it's crazy, but I I gotta give them something. So, what are their first names, if I may? Oh, Daniel and Wendy. Daniel and Wendy. This is your Judge John Hodgman. 
The basement is Aiden's. From now until he moves out. Within reason. Within reason? Yeah, I was going to say that might not be good. <laughs> Within For now until he turns 18 years old, the basement is Aiden's. Let your son thrive in his haunt. There is no, as far as I can tell, there is no scary Santa Claus. Am not I missing yet. it? No, I mean you got your your Krampuses. Uh, not uh, spirit did make a Krampus. That's true, um, but that's that's <laughs> about as close as it gets. Lie spread by Halloween City. <laughs> it, right. Yes. It's not just you know. It's not just the. I'm not even going to get into it. But <laughs> yes. Oh, the Krampus is really scary. Yeah, the Krampus came out last year. I kind of forgot about him, but he's uh he's massive. He is one of the biggest. Six and a half feet tall, seven and a half feet with the horns. Yes. $349.99 in the United States. Current status in stock. Item number 01463835. Judge Sean Hodgman listeners, if you can't get this by Halloween, surely you can get it by the winter holidays. Aiden, thank you so much for joining us and giving us some Halloween tips. Of course. Thank you for having me. Will you stay in touch with the podcast? Yes, absolutely. I'd like to see more of your decorations in the future. Yes. All right. Aiden, I have watched and enjoyed some of your YouTube videos on your YouTube channel, which is just your name, Aiden K, A-I-D-A-N-K-A-Y-E. I'm going to be honest. They're probably the best Spirit Halloween YouTube videos I've ever watched in my life. Um you also have completed recently your most ambitious project of all time, which is a documentary about spirit Halloween superstars. Yes. Uh, what a ridiculous project I put myself under. Um, I <laughs> I had just come off of uh, doing an equally ridiculous project, which was a spirit Halloween album. Um <laughs> Which was, <laughs> I don't know why I even bothered with that. No, I'm kidding. It was it was super fun. Um, Aiden's got a he got a SoundCloud or a Bandcamp for that. I've it's on Spotify. It's on iTunes. You can get it. Right. You can see it everywhere. It's just called Superstore. Um, it's five songs all about Spirit Halloween with a bonus track, and it that was a big project. But then I really wanted to do some actual film related project, which turned into this Spirit Halloween documentary flagship. Um, which was just, it's an hour long piece going from January of this year to August of this year, um, documenting the whole process from finding out information, spirit giving us sneak peeks all the way up to the flagship store opening and opening day. Uh, it, I'm incredibly proud of this project. Um, it was so many months of just painful work, but it, I think it really turned out good. So, Aiden, congratulations on all of this. It is so incredible. It so far outstrips the time I flew to Phoenix for the Society of American Baseball Research Convention when I was 17. Um, so, I did, so it's so great. Uh, and thanks for joining us on Judge John Hodgman. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.